Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. God has a word for us. So if you have your Bibles, I want to get right to it. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number 1. Now, you may not have heard too many messages from Proverbs, but God impressed me with something here in this passage. Matter of fact, I believe a Holy Ghost sermon can come from almost anywhere in the Bible. From Genesis until the Amen in the last book, I think that God is speaking throughout His Word and is still speaking to us here today in 2021. Hallelujah. Proverbs 25 and verse number 1. When you're there, say, I'm there. These are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. Please allow me to reread that verse. These are also, say also, also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. There are times when God changes my message when I step into the pulpit. And then there's times when God impresses me for a word for several days. For almost a week, God has impressed me with this message to preach. So I believe this sermon is appointed for the first night of the revival. For a few minutes, I want to preach to you on this title, The Incomplete Book. The Incomplete Book. Lord, all glory, honor, and praise goes to you. I ask you to speak to us. Let us receive it with gladness of heart. I want us all to have ears to hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Allow me to be the conduit you so desire, Lord Jesus, on Friday evening of revival service. All praise goes to God, and we all say in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I guess it began with a prayer. King Solomon prayed and spoke to God. I believe he asked for wisdom from the Lord. And the Lord granted his request, but not just for wisdom to be a wise king. No, God also gave him abundance and increase and provision. Because yes, all wisdom comes from God, but also he is called Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Uh, I know God has answers for your questions, but also he wants to supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. God has answers and God has solutions from you for you. In fact, all solutions that will really work always come from one place and one place alone. They come from the throne of God. Hallelujah. God granted wisdom and wealth to King Solomon. King Solomon became the wisest man to live outside of Jesus himself. And Solomon spoke Proverbs 
And Solomon ordained the construction of the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Now, we call that Solomon's temple. Bishop Walls, you were in the Holy Ghost in those verses you read at the beginning of the service. You had no idea I was going to read the following verses in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. King Solomon ordained the construction of the temple, and that was God's temple. And in God's temple, Solomon preached the dedication message. Did you know that Solomon was a preacher? We call him Solomon the wise king, Solomon the purveyor of Proverbs. But Solomon preached in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 1. Most of your Bibles, if you have those study Bibles, you know, will have headings on chapters. And the heading for this chapter in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 says the sermon of Solomon. Solomon preached the dedication of the house of the Lord. He spoke wisdom. He used the gift that God gave to him. And I want to preach to you here for just a moment. God gave you your gift for a purpose. There is a reason why God has imparted into you that portion of heaven that he has spoken into your soul. You have that ability for a reason in God. You are anointed to sing, to preach, to work, to give Bible studies. Somehow, some way, you're going to bless somebody else. There is a reason why you're a part of the kingdom of God. You are needed. You are important. You are necessary for revival. Hallelujah. I believe that with all of my heart. Solomon preached. Let me talk to you about the things he preached too. God spoke through Solomon. And when Solomon preached that dedication message in the house of the Lord, God told him something about the house of God in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Basically, on day one, when the house of God was constructed, newly minted, God informed him what kind of house he would have. He would have a restoration house. If my people find themselves astray or going wayward, there is a way back. Remember this place. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. God let him know on day one his house was a house of restoration. It was a place where lives are healed. A place of remission of sins. Uh, Hallelujah. That is God's house. And it always was and it always should be. And the church said, Amen. Hallelujah. So Solomon was a tough preacher at times when he preached. Let me show you what he preached, the kind of messages he gave. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 1. King Solomon preached old-time messages. He preached, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Now, this really is not the sermon I was planning to say, but let me say it anyway here. I still believe that drinking alcohol is wrong. I still believe it is wrong to consume alcoholic beverages. I get that there are circles that are trying to push the envelope here in this current time period. But we receive the warnings of heaven. We receive the word of God. We want to be pure and clean vessels fit for kingdom use. God, make me a tabernacle of your presence. God, consecrate this temple, this body of flesh. I want to be used of you. Purify me, Lord God. Hallelujah. To be pure, there are certain things I just can't do. 
He preached it, wine is a mocker. And to make it abundantly clear, Proverbs 23 and verse number 29. Who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babbling, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of eyes. They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. The next verse says, don't even look at it. There are some sins, yeah, you shouldn't do them, but don't even let it enter your mind. Don't think about it. Don't dwell on it in your thought life. My mind is not hell's garbage system. My mind is heaven's desire. I want my mind to be the mind of Christ. I want to think on the things of the Lord. I want to see what God desires me to see. I will not consume things that God does not desire for me. He said, don't even look at it. It describes that process of fermentation here in this verse. Now, I could keep going, but I think you got the message. Hallelujah. Now, I had to say that to give this next part. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 3. This is the tough part. I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom. What? He just said wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. That's drugs. Strong drink is drugs. He preached against this. He says, don't even look at it in chapter 23 of Proverbs. And now he's saying, I gave myself to it. What in the world? What is going on here in this passage? Short story is he backslid. His story of backsliding is the story of all backsliders. Somebody talked him into it. In 1 Kings 11, you will read that Solomon married outside of the faith. Young folks, it matters who you marry. Hallelujah. And his wives that were outside of the faith turned his heart away. His wives turned him away from the truth. He was talked out of living for God. Young people, don't let anybody talk you out of living for God. I don't want them to talk me into things I should not do. I don't want them to bring me places that I should not go. I want to be led by that pillar of cloud, the spirit of almighty God. I want to be led by the Holy Ghost in my life. Now, King Solomon, he let folks turn away his heart. He spent time outside of the faith. I'm going to dwell here for just a second. Solomon, he dedicated the house of the Lord and then in all likelihood didn't even go for years. Years ago, I remember this distinctly. I recall a man who dedicated a church. and He preached great. I remember the day when he let go of everything he once believed. It was awful. I've seen this happen in my life. The people must have whispered behind his back. What was he thinking? Why would he do that? Why would somebody turn away from what they knew good and well was truth? That's what sin does to you. It makes you a mockery of the righteous man you once were. It turns you into some cartoon caricature of who God truly desired for you to be. I won't become some cartoon version of myself. I won't become some apostolic caricature of God's perfect will. No, I want to remain. I want to stay in the path. I want to keep walking in God's plans and for his desires. 
Solomon, he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. I'm going to read you the very last two verses of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Here is how Solomon concludes his book of Ecclesiastes. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. In the next verse, he tells you God will bring every work into judgment and every secret thing. The same book, ten chapters earlier, where he told you he gave himself to wine, he closes the book by saying, here's what I found Fear God and keep His commandments. Short story number two, Solomon made it back. Solomon found the altar of repentance. He tried it all. He let his heart be turned this way and that way. And at the end of every road, he found one thing could not be moved. God. God alone was there. God remained. He stood the test of time. Whatever the current trends and fads may be in this time period, God will make sense when the day is done. And God's will will be the best way for for you and for your family and your children. God does have good things to pour out for you in your future up ahead. God loves you with an everlasting love. I want to fear God, Pastor. I want to keep His commandments. I want to do His will. Hallelujah. Solomon made it back. I bet that was awkward that first time he went back to the temple. That first day, he stepped out of the palace. Maybe it had been five years, ten years. I don't know the exact number. But there was a sequence of years where he didn't even go. And then one day, people saw King Solomon doing something. He was bringing that trespass offering. He was bringing that holy sin offering. Who is that? Who is walking over there to the house of God? Is that the king? No, it couldn't be him. I thought he was backslidden. I thought he was gone in dead. No, King Solomon knew where to go. He remembered that verse. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, then I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin. God is a God of repentance. God forgives sin. You know he heard what they said, and still on he came. Still that king had to bring his offering to make himself right with God. Whatever whispers may go on behind your back, whatever voices of pressure from your peers and criticism from your enemies, God loves you and wants you to return. And God will restore you if you can find your way to that good old-fashioned altar, if you can make it back to the apostolic pew, if you can come to revival service, and receive that fresh manna. If you can feel that wind of God that blows from his throne into heaven, then you will know that God has not given up on you. God has not crossed you out. No, God wants to write you in to the Lamb's book of life. God still loves you, and God still has a plan for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now, I look at this book, Ecclesiastes. Most preachers won't even preach from Ecclesiastes. What is this book of Ecclesiastes even about? Here it is. It's powerful. It's King Solomon's book of repentance. 
It's his story and his testimony of how God brought him back around. He tried everything, and at the end, he saw God, and God alone made sense. God was not vanity, and everything else was. How did he begin that book? Verse 1, chapter 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. He didn't even use his own name. He didn't use the name Solomon. Why didn't he use his name Solomon here in this verse? Here's why. Because when you make it back and you're truly humble, humbling yourself is the first step in 2 Chronicles 7. When you're really humble, then ego has died. It's not about me anymore. It's about God now. I want your will and your way. I want to shine forth your light. I want to accomplish your goals and your tasks, Lord God. I want to be used of you. Hallelujah. Not about me anymore. Now it's about God. He called himself what? What did he call himself in the book of Ecclesiastes? The preacher. Oh, yeah. He preached that sermon dedicating the temple, right? And then he lost that calling for a few years when he backslid. And when he came back, he wanted the whole world to know that he made it back in and that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. I'm a preacher again. I have found the altar. I have found the way back. And God still has a use for me. God still needs your voice to proclaim his word. God still wants you to be a conduit of the supernatural. God loves you. And God wants to fill you to the brim with his presence. God still wants to use you. God still has a work for you to do. Hallelujah. He tried everything, and it was all vanity. All it did was, was, was vex his spirit. Bless God. Solomon, now I come back to Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs 25 and verse number 1. My opening text. I quoted to you. That these are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. Also Proverbs, meaning the last seven chapters of Proverbs were not there. The last seven chapters of Proverbs were not there in the original edition of Proverbs. It ended at chapter 25. And then the men of Hezekiah, about two centuries later, copied out chapters 25 through 31. Now, why were these chapters missing? Why were these chapters absent? Our best idea is that we think these chapters were written after he made it back. After he was restored to God. After he had messed up and then returned. And of course, you know, once you come back, there are some folks who think you can't be used anymore. Once you come back, there are some people who don't want to hear you preach anymore. There are some folks who think you shouldn't be on the platform right now. But no, God had a purpose for King Solomon. He wrote Proverbs. He still had the gifting of God, that holy pen to add to the word, the written word. And for two centuries Many kings questioned his words until we arrive at the life of King Hezekiah. Hezekiah, I love King Hezekiah. Hezekiah had seen the miracles of God. And when you've seen the miracles of God, after a certain point, you're just done with other people's opinions. 
When you've seen God step into your mess and say to you, you don't care what anybody thinks anymore. Once you've seen God redeem and rescue your lost loved ones, heal your body, and do the supernatural, the opinions of your critics don't matter to you anymore. You don't care what they think from here on out. Now you're just going to live according to God's holy manna. Now I'm just going to survive based on his will. Now I'm going to press on and go forth in the will of God. I'm going to tune out those wrong voices. I'm going to turn off those who counted me out. Now I believe the same God who has redeemed me can do anything. And that man who had seen the supernatural, that man Hezekiah who had seen God intervene, he saw that God was a redeemer because God redeemed Israel from an impossible situation. In 2 Kings chapter 19, huge army was going to attack the city of Jerusalem, and God wiped them all out in one night. A miracle. He saw God redeem him. So if God could redeem Hezekiah, then God redeemed Solomon. And so this man, Hezekiah, in all likelihood, put back in those chapters knowing that God, Jehovah God, was a redeemer of souls. So what is in those closing chapters of Proverbs? What is there for us in the Holy Word? Here it is. First thing Solomon does is repeat himself, as all preachers do. Hallelujah. I can tell on myself we've all done this. We repeat ourselves intentionally. Here's why. He repeated himself to confirm the Word of God. What he gave me before I backslid is still true after I made it back. The truth in the first years of my life is still true in these years of my life. What God imparted to you as a youth, as a young man, a young lady, it still works. It is still His Word here in 2021. It has not changed. It is still efficacious, effective in the kingdom of God. It will still change lives and transform your future. The Word is still the Word. It has not not changed at all. Hallelujah. Second thing you see is you see Solomon makes some references in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse number 1. Now, quick question. Who wrote the book of Proverbs? Solomon did, right? I promise you I am not trying to trick you. Hallelujah. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. And chapter 30 begins by saying the words of Agur, the son of Yaqeh, even the prophecy. All right. Well, who is Agur? Who wrote Proverbs? Solomon. Not a trick question. And so Solomon, he called himself the preacher in Ecclesiastes. Here, he calls himself Agur. Solomon used pen names sometimes. Well, what's Agur mean in Hebrew? Agur means gathered. Gathered. He was telling you that he was a mess. He was in turmoil. His life was shattered into pieces. And God took his life and gathered him back together and stitched him and remade him into a vessel of honor fit for kingdom use. Do you remember the day that God gathered you? Have you been gathered by God here in the apostolic church? Did God put your life back together at the old-fashioned altar service one night? Has God restored you at some year or some day or some camp meeting or youth rally? 
Did God bring you back to the place where you heard his voice again? Where you felt his spirit surge through your body? Where you know that God was real and God still loved you and God still had a plan for you? (laughs) Hallelujah. God gathered King Solomon. Put that verse back up, please. Agur, the son of who? Yaqeh. Well, who was Solomon's father? King David, right? He was the son of King David. Well, Yaqeh must be a name for David. What does Yaqeh mean in Hebrew? It means blameless. Blameless. Do you think that Solomon might have blamed David? You know, sons can blame their dad sometimes. And every father in the room said, Amen. You've all heard it. It's your fault, Dad. It's your fault I'm this way. Hallelujah. We've all said it, even me. We blame sometimes our parents for the way we are. I bet he blamed David. David had seven wives. And Dad, if you could have seven, I can have 700. Hallelujah. Which, time out, is not a good idea. And against the laws of the state of Indiana, don't be getting those Old Testament ideas, bless God. Solomon, I bet he blamed David. David had Solomon kill people. David told Solomon to kill Joab and kill Shimei. He made him begin his reign as a murderer. And I bet Solomon was mad later on about that. He didn't have wisdom yet when he did all that. When he had wisdom later, I bet he thought differently about killing people as a king. I bet Solomon blamed David for making him kill Joab and Shimei. I bet Solomon blamed David for having that affair with Bathsheba. I bet he blamed him for having all those wives and polygamy. I bet he thought, this is your fault. I'm the way that I am. Time's a funny thing, you know. After a few years, you don't think about things the way you used to. By the time he's at the end of his life... Now, he no longer blames his father. Now, David, my father, you are blameless. Now, I don't put it on your account. Not your fault, Dad, anymore. It's mine. I take the responsibility. I take the onus on me. It was me who sinned, me who got drunk, me who married 700 wives and 300 concubines. It was me who worshipped idols for a few years. It was me who went astray and didn't sin for the prophet of God. It was me who made all those mistakes. I don't blame you, David, for that. It's not your fault. And once you're done blaming somebody else, when you accept responsibility, then you can accept remission of sins. Then you can be purified then you can have that weight off your conscience now. If it's my fault, then I can repent, and I can be clean, and I can have that gone in the name of Jesus. And now the last chapter of Proverbs. Favorite chapter, actually. Chapter 31. Ladies in this house, you have heard Proverbs 31 countless times in personal study, Ladies' meetings, people preaching at you. You've heard these words in chapter 31. This chapter gives the model of the godly woman, all right? And how does this chapter that models godly ladyhood begin? The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. Pop quiz, who wrote Proverbs? Solomon did. You got that one right, bless God. Verse 1 again, please. 
So Lemuel then, in verse 1, is Solomon. Lemuel in Hebrew means belonging or devoted to God. He's saying, I'm not devoted to alcohol. I'm not devoted to sin. Now I'm devoted to you, Lord God. Lemuel was Solomon. Who was his mother? Who was King Solomon's mother? Bathsheba, right? The prophecy that his mother taught him. Did you know that Bathsheba authored an entire chapter in the Word of God? Chapter 31 was a prophecy of Bathsheba to her son, King Solomon. Amazing, isn't it, how God can use people that everybody else has crossed off the list. And if God could use Bathsheba, then God can use you and me. Hallelujah. What'd she tell him? Verse 3. First thing she tells him, verse 3. Give not thy strength unto women. Well, he broke that one, didn't he? 700 wives, 300 concubines. Broke that one a thousand times. Hallelujah. The hardest sermons to preach are the ones you know that you haven't fully kept all your life. When you're a preacher, Moses, when you hold the Ten Commandments, and one of those Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not kill, and you know you killed that Egyptian taskmaster in your youth, you know that message is hard to preach. And yet, there it is. And God demands for you to minister it. And God requests you to preach the sermons that are tough. The ones you know you haven't been perfect yet. And yet, you must give them to the next generation. Because even if I haven't been perfect, they can be better. Our sons and our daughters can live for God even stronger than we did. They can go deeper. They can worship longer. They can move higher in God. I want our children to do better than us. I want them to go further in God. I believe they can have more of the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 4 too. Read that one. It is not for kings to drink wine or princes strong drink. Well, he broke that one too, didn't he? Gave himself to wine. I bet that was the toughest chapter for him to write. He put it at the very end of the Bible, at the very end of Proverbs, because he knew that was going to be a tough one. Hallelujah. Usually, I'm not saying every time, but usually traveling evangelists will wait until the closing night to preach that really tough, questionable message. You're not sure how it's going to go over in that revival meeting, and so you wait till the last service, not knowing what that reaction will be, so you'll get out of town right after that and head on to the next generation, next destination. Hallelujah. He waited until the very end. But yet, after that, after saying he messed up, after saying, yeah, I drank wine, I did things I shouldn't do, then he gives the model of how it should have gone. He still includes all those portions of godliness and purity. How a godly woman is like a jewel. He wouldn't even have that chapter in the Bible if King Hezekiah didn't believe in restoration and if King Solomon didn't receive that God still had a use for him. Stand with me. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. You don't have to mess up like Solomon did. I believe that King Solomon gave us a model 
He showed he tried everything, and only God made sense. But you don't have to do that. Instead, you can avoid all that. You can skip it if you just trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Or perhaps, perhaps you are King Solomon. Perhaps you have backslidden for a season. Perhaps there's been a time where you were out of the house of God. And if you were, you can make it back. There's a book of Ecclesiastes that you must write. You must give your testimony of how now you know, now you comprehend that only God alone will stand the test of life and seasons. Perhaps you are Hezekiah. Perhaps you are somebody God is calling to believe in the restoration of others. And perhaps the next generation won't hear the word that they should without your testimony and your encouragement and your support and your intercession. These altars are open. I'm inviting you to come. I'm asking you to make your way here on this first night of revival. Would you leave the chairs? Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.